Welcome back to Hunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. And I'm Haley. And this week, I did this episode all for you, Haley. Why is that? Because it's about UFOs. Which one? This one is called Phoenix Lights. Have you heard of it before? Obviously. No, really? You have? Yeah. Like watch shows on it and Uh stuff? What do you think? I think it happened. I think it was actual UFOs. You do? Yeah. I I thought you were going to shit all over it like you do everything else. Not about aliens. On March 13th, 1997, 911 operators, news stations, military bases, and even the FAA started receiving phone calls about a series of lights sighted in the Arizona sky. The sightings would become the largest reported mass UFO sighting of all time and still recognized and technically celebrated today. And with weirdly, I might add music festivals. The incident now named the Phoenix Lights were actually two separate incidents. Did you know that? That it was technically two separate things? I think so. Not like in time, but you mean like in the same night, right? In the same night. But different areas. No, the same area is just two separate times. Oh. At around 8 p.m., I think technically the first call came in at 8.15, um, the other one was around 10 p.m. Although both incidents are widely argued, discussed, disputed, and debunked, some say the first incident was a real thing, and the second was either a reaction of the military to the first incident, like responding to the incident, or weird or yet, a ruse to confuse the public about the first incident. A dream and nightmare for UFO investigators, the incidents were seen by thousands of people, which can, at the very least, muddy the waters with all the information coming from all different sides, some credible and some not so credible. The lights were clearly visible whether or not you were stargazing or going about your business. But the amount of reports was probably compounded by the fact that there were many people that were already watching the night sky for the Hale-Bopp comet that was promised to make its appearance. The event, although much talked about in Phoenix the next day at water coolers and local diners, didn't hit the big-time news for three months. At about 7.55 Mountain Standard Time, a man reported seeing a V-shaped object above Henderson, Nevada. He said it was the size of a Boeing 747. It sounded like rushing wind and had six lights on its leading edge. The lights reportedly traversed northwest to the southeast. Next, an unidentified former police officer from Paulden, Arizona, called in and said he had been driving north. He saw a cluster of reddish or orange lights in the sky, comprising four lights together and a fifth light trailing them. Through binoculars, he watched the lights until they disappeared over the horizon. And another witness, John Kaiser, was staying outside with his wife and sons in Prescott Valley when they noticed a cluster of lights to the west-northwest of their position. The lights formed a triangular pattern, but all of them appeared to be red except the light at the nose of the object. That was the only one I read that said that the lights were red, by the way. I thought there's a lot of people that said they were like red or orange. Orangish, like amberish colored. Mm. The object or objects which had been observed for approximately two to three minutes with the binoculars then passed directly o- overhead. He said they were seen to bank to the right and then disappeared in the night sky to the southeast of Prescott Valley. They said it was low and made no sound. Another witness claimed to observed, quote, unquote, five yellow-white lights in a V formation moving slowly from the northwest across the sky to the northeast, then turn almost due south and continue until it was out of sight. The point of the V was in the direction of the movement. The first three lights were fairly tight V, while two of the lights were further back along the lines of the V's legs. This was his, his explanation. During the northwest to northeast transit, one of the trailing lights moved up and joined the three, then dropped back to the trailing position. Tim Lay, another witness, said he first saw the lights 
when they were above Prescott Valley, about 65 miles away from them. At first, they appeared as five distinct separate lights in an arc shape like they were on the top of a balloon. But soon, they realized the lights appeared to be moving towards them. Over the next 10 or so minutes, they appeared to be coming closer, and the distance between the lights increased. They took on the shape of an upside-down V. Eventually, when the lights appeared to be a couple miles away, the witnesses can make out a shape that looked like a 60-degree carpenter square with five lights set into it, with one or two front and two on each side. Soon, the object with the embedded lights appeared to be coming right down the street from where they lived, about 100 to 150 feet above them, traveling so slowly it appeared to hover and was silent. The object then seemed to pass over the heads and went through a V opening in the peaks of the mountain range towards Squaw Peak Mountain and toward the direction of the Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. Witnesses in Glendale, a suburb of Phoenix, saw the object pass overhead at an altitude high enough to become obscured by the thin clouds. This was approximately between 8.30 and 8.45. When the triangular formation entered the Phoenix area, Bill Greiner, a cement driver, Hauling a load down the mountain north of Phoenix described the second group of lights. I'll never be the same, he said. Before this, if anybody had told me that they saw a UFO, I would have said, yeah, I believe in the tooth fairy. Now I've got a whole new view, and I may just be a dumb truck driver, but I've seen something that don't belong here. Greener stated that the lights hovered over the area for more than two hours. This guy, this greener guy he is probably the most quoted out of everybody regarding the phoenix lights because he witnessed them a for two hours and b he kind of made himself come off as a regular guy like i'm not really a believer i'm just a dumb truck driver do you know what i mean that saw a ufo that saw a ufo <laughs> and changed his life like he's like i'll never be the same again there were reports of people stopping at payphones to call in what they were seeing and 911 operators were inundated with calls and there's more about that later. The common things in most of the reports were that it was moving slowly. It had like an orangish yellow glow. It looked like a boomerang. It was huge. Some saying it was a mile long. Some comparing it to football fields. And that it blocked out the night sky. One man explained it was like when you look at hot asphalt on the street. You know when it's really hot outside and there's asphalt. And it looks kind of wavy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when yeah. that, when that mm-hmm. asphalt's really hot. He um he said that's what it looked like between the lights, like that wavy thing, like something's there but not really there. Yeah. And a lot of people said the lights didn't look like normal lights, like how with you when you drive at night and you see a ring around the street lights and stuff. Yeah. Um, people were saying there was absolutely no glare, there was no ring. It was a solid light, whether they saw orangish or amberish or yellow white. Um, they didn't have a glare around them. They were just solid lights. And then. Approximately at 10.17 p.m., a phone call calls started coming in reporting the object was definitely solid because it blocked out much of the starry sky. The two incidents, although similar, were distinctly different. The first reports coming in at 8 o'clock hour described the lights as moving and appearing in a V-shape and gradually traveled south over the entire length of the state. It started with reports of the Prescott area and was last seen south of Tucson. The second incident was that the lights were seen as stationary over Phoenix and appeared to hover. There's more videos covering the second event, both due to the spreading of the news of the first incident, causing people to move outdoors to see if they could see anything, and also because people were going out for the night to prepare to see the Hale-Bopp comet. And then, to be honest, it's so hard to me. Like People say that there's two distinct episodes. To me, it's hard to tell the difference. It seems like they were the same incident. 
I feel like they're the same. They just... Depending on where it was, yeah, right? Your vantage point. Like it didn't disappear and then come back two hours later. It was like people were reporting it consistently. Well, I guess what it was is there's a shit ton of re- reports at the eight o'clock hour. And then the reports, although they were still happening, was like dwindled down. And then a shit storm of them started again in the 10 o'clock hour. And like I mentioned, during the second event, many more people took still photos and videos. Can you even imagine how many there would be now? Oh, and have it cell would phones. be insane. Yeah. yeah. I am, the photos and videos show a series of lights appearing at rent, regular intervals for the second incident. Um, the lights staying on and then some going off. By the way, these photos are everywhere. All you have to do is Google Phoenix lights. And I can't share them on our website. I'll try and share some links if I can. But I can't share any of the photos because so many of them are still copyrighted. Mm. And people are making a big deal about whether they're copyrighted. So... I don't want to take any chance on sharing any of the photos, but you've seen them, right? Yeah. So um, all you really have to do is Google Phoenix Light, hit images, and you will see what I'm talking about. And it really did look to me like a V-shape. Yeah, it was distinctly a V-shape. But this is what I don't understand. So why couldn't anyone take a picture of the V-shape in the sky? Like they're saying that it hovered over Phoenix. For an extended amount of time, like no one could get a picture of that, like lay on your, lay on the ground on your back and take a picture up. Like why could no one get like just a straight on picture? Like I picture it like hovering, like a drone hovering over your house. Like I don't feel like any of the pictures are that clear. Like people owned 35 millimeter cameras. They owned high, you know what I'm saying? No one could get a very, very, very clear. I feel clear. like I've seen ones that are... Not that... I, I guess I'm comparing it to like what, what a you, movie would look yeah, like. Yeah, I don't know what you are expecting. I don't know. Because um, there's pictures that distinctly show a V-shape. I know, but I guess I'm picturing it differently. I'm picturing it like a V-flat. And I'm like using my hands right now because no, anyone can see me right now. But like a flat V like over your house. Like why are... Like you, you see the lights, but you don't actually see the V. Do you get it? You don't get what I'm saying. I feel like the photography could have been much better than it was. Right, except for it was dark. Mm. So and 1997. Yeah. And so all you will see didn't are, have the, new, are the lights. They didn't have the brand new iPhones for no. Um. Apparently, those who believe it was a UFO claim that the lights were some form of running light or other aircraft illumination along the leading edge of a large craft. And it was mostly estimated to be as large as a mile in diameter. And before I get to the really interesting stuff, we should probably pause right here for a word from our sponsors. Okay, so here comes the really kind of iffy, interesting parts of this. Remember when I mentioned that the 911 operators were getting a shit ton of calls? Yeah. They were told the next day that it was nothing. That's it. No explanation. One 911 operator from um, Phoenix has gone on record to say that they made her superiors made it very clear to her. There was no further discussion on the reports of the nights before, which seems crazy to me. Like, doesn't that make you more curious if people are like, we're not talking about it. We're yeah, done. It makes it worse. Initially, also, air traffic controllers at Sky Harbor International Airport would tell reporters that although they could see the lights with their own eyes, it wasn't showing up on the radar equipment. Yeah, see, that's suspicious to me. That would, that's, that would freak me the F out. Like, I would be like, wait, I can see it, I can see it, and why is it not here on the screen? And why weren't they kind of panicking? I mean, maybe they were, and we don't know it. 
Or they're just so used to seeing weird, unidentified flying objects. That they're not allowed to talk about. I don't know. Officials at Davis Mothen Air Force Base in Tucson would report that no military maneuvers were taking place that night at the Barry M. Goldwater Range to the west of Gila Bend, but they would change their story three months later, saying the person on that on duty that night failed to look at the proper logbook, which they were asking him at the time, like, are you seeing this? Did, or did you do any maneuvers? And he's like, no, we didn't do any maneuvers. And like, oh, no, he was reading the wrong book. What? You mean they asked him in real time? The, well, the next day, oh, okay. people were calling. People were calling even the military bases. Yeah. Although originally the U.S. military denied that they had any planes in the air at all, there are people that had reported that they saw fighter jets scrambling to get into the air once they saw the lights themselves. The United States Air Force ultimately identified the second group of lights as flares dropped by an A-10 Warthog aircraft that were on training exercises at the Barry Goldwater Range again in Arizona. And 10 years later, 10 years, in 2007, a Maryland Air National Guard pilot would claim that he had flown an aircraft that night on a training exercise dropping flares. But it took him 10 years to come forward and say that he was up. It's just, The flare thing is just bullshit. I'm not believing it's flares. Yeah. When do flares fall exactly the same? It's just unbelievable to me to think there were flares. The National UFO Reporting Center, have you heard of that? Yeah. It's an actual reporting center. Um, I looked up what they do. It said the National UFO Reporting Center, located in Seattle, Washington, was founded in 1974 by noted UFO investigator Robert Gribble. The center's primary function over the past two decades has been to receive, record, and to the greatest degree possible, corroborate and document reports from individuals who have witnessed to unusual and possibly UFO-related events. Which, by the way, is a whole another rabbit hole. I thought Ancestry.com was bad. Go on the National UFO Reporting Center website. You will get sucked in and not leave your computer for days and weeks or months. And reading, like, they literally will have people submit drawings of what they saw and stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot. Have you gone on there? Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't even know that existed. Um, I went this morning and I, it took me an hour to get back to what I was doing. Anyway, after they received a phone call approximately seven hours after the incident. And then this was the most interesting report. And I don't know how. I found it a couple places. I didn't find it a lot of places, but I did find it on their website. And I'm going to be quoting directly from their website because I'm not going to try and put it in my own words because it was a report. It says, after the incident, they got a phone call. Seven, about seven hours later, from a person who identified himself as an airman at Luke Air Force Base, which is located 20 miles west of Phoenix. It says, the individual reported that the U.S. Air Force had launched two F-15C fighter aircraft from Luke Air Force Base and that one of the aircraft had intercepted a giant object over the intersection of Indian School Road and 7th Avenue. It was also reported by this individual that the onboard radar of the intercepting fighter had suddenly gone to a condition of white noise and that the lights on the object simultaneously had suddenly dimmed in unison and disappeared from the pilot's sight. And if you click on the report, it takes you directly to the transcript of the report, which I pulled up, and it, and I'm going to read it to you because I think this is really interesting. And then from the person from the National Report National UFO Reporting Center, he says, let me start the tape and I'll put a time mark on it. For the record, it's 0320 hours on Friday the 14th of March 1997. I am talking with a gentleman who just called him from Phoenix. Okay, sir, go ahead. And the caller says, that's correct. Air Force Base is actually in Lynchfield. 
I just got off my shift 30 minutes ago. At 8.15, the ready alert at Luke Air Force Base, which is the F-15, two F-15s that we keep on ready alert. They're part of the Air Force One and Air Force Two protection group to protect them when they come west of the Rockies whenever the president or dignitary is on board. They were launched because all hell broke loose. Apparently, we got a call from Prescott Valley Airport, a small airport, reporting that an object had had a near miss with a small Cessna. They didn't know what it was. The description that the pilot, one of the pilots, stated that he had a visual on it. They've got a gun camera film of it. They have no radar tape of it. It scared the hell out of them. The commander pilot of this particular flight, he'll never talk to you. He's a real professional. I've never seen this man. I've never seen this man so scared. And then he asked the the gentleman at the National Reporting Center, are you familiar with the term white noise, blanking out radar? My understanding is what that's what they got. It was strictly white noise. His statement was that they followed the aircraft. It went on a straight line course heading towards Harbor Airport, which is one of the airports here, and it entered the pattern Sky Harbor Airport. Crossed the pattern of the outbound runways. They encountered going in originally two 737s and a DC-10 taken off from Sky Harbor. We have American West Hub here, so we've got a lot of civilian fights. The pilot's understanding was that it was at approximately 18,000 feet, descending to 10,005. When it got to Angels 10, it went completely dark. He didn't know if it was one aircraft or several aircraft, but he saw five distinct lights in a triangular pattern. First three lights were in a tight, triangular formation, and one of the rear lights at starboard, he said it was about 200 yards, and then the other light was about 400 yards. His belief is that it might have been more than one aircraft, and he could not describe the aircraft, All he could say is that there were lights, and he was scared to death, not sure what it was. After they landed, the base was put on complete lockdown. The facility was closed. This is some guy that wasn't supposed to be talking, basically calling the National UFO Center, saying that the pilots were literally terrified of what they saw. And they were scrambled into the air because of the reports coming in. And there were other witnesses that saw the the aircrafts, the fighter jets being scrambled. Yeah. So why is the military denying all of it? They have for years. But someone just told me recently, and I haven't been able to find information on it, and maybe someone else can. The Navy just recently admitted to um, investigating, putting a team together to investigate unidentified flying objects. Yeah, and then a spokesperson from NASA. They did like a whole press conference. And then they said, no, they're not doing it, or they are doing it? I didn't hear that they weren't. It was a big thing. The video went around for a while. I think you sent it to me. I did? Yeah. So are they or are they not? Is the U- is the US military investigating unidentified flying objects right now? I mean there's what is Operation Blue Book? That was 40 years ago. Are they actively currently investigating UFOs? I think so. I wonder if they are. Have I mentioned on here about Grandpa Bob? I don't think so. We have a family member who's just turning 95. Did we just figure it out? 95, we just saw him last week. Yeah, 95. 95. And he is a full bird. This is how it's always explained to me. A full bird colonel in the Air Force. So whenever I get a chance to talk to him, I always bring up UFOs and ask him if he ever saw anything. And he always tells me, no, stop. It's not real. And the last time I was kind of pestering him a little bit. I'm like, come on, tell me. Tell me, tell me truthfully, like what you were in the air all the time. You were, you were to the Pentagon. Like, what is the deal with the whole UFO thing? Is it true? Is the government really looking into it? And he 
unequivocally this time. He's never been like this with me. He usually just kind of laughs it off and thinks I'm crazy. This time he told me unequivocally, we're not talking about it anymore. You're not asking me anymore. The conversation's over. Right? Yeah. He's kind of, what did you think about that? Like I shut up because I respect him and I love him and he clearly like didn't want to talk about it. that his whole career he was told no one's allowed to know. Right? You take wonder, it to the grave. I wonder, I don't know. A Phoenix City Councilwoman named Frances Barwood never saw the lights personally, but within the next week, she would know a lot about them. She fielded calls from residents, people who were scared, concerned, or just curious. So she decided that they all needed to be to know more. Unfortunately for her, she got a lot more than she bargained for. Innocently, during a, a city council meeting, she was asked if they were if there was going to be any public explanation or information about the sightings. And she said, her words are that she was met with silent stares. In the coming weeks, she would be ridiculed and laughed at for doing exactly what her constitutes asked for. Unbeknownst to her, the mayor's office, they actually made up business cards making fun of her, like UFO specialist instead of city councilwoman. And then there was a cartoon published. And in the cartoon, it was a drawing of her with a pin that says, I heart UFOs or I heart ETs or something like that. And out of the 700 witnesses she interviewed, she claims that no one from the government spoke to any of them. Initially, she would have, she said she would have never have believed in this kind of stuff, but later went on record to say, I don't know what it was, but I'm a lot more open to that thing coming from elsewhere. What makes us think that the only intelligent being in the whole, that we're the only intelligent being in the whole universe. And Amen. It, right? <laughs> well, and it sucks. She literally got ridiculed. People, she was a respected councilwoman and they ripped her apart for saying, hey, are we going to look into this? Yeah. Why are, what makes people react that way? Is it fear? Well, I guess the theory about little green men. Yeah. I guess the theory about like the government or whatever, keeping it from everybody else is that it would cause like mass hysteria, which I don't understand why or in what way. Oh, well. If something flew over our house right now, it would cause mass hysteria. Yes, it would. Yeah, but I think... But keeping it secret or like treating this woman like she's nuts, she's not saying that she saw little green men with giant glass balls on their head walk out of UFO. She's saying that she got 700 freaking phone calls. Are we going to tell these people what it was? Yeah, I think keeping it a secret and doing all the shady stuff is what makes it scary well and it gets worse arizona governor fife symington which by the way his name literally is fife f-i-f-e symington decided to make light of the phenomenon during a press conference in which what is now a much read press conference video it says that i i watched it myself the governor symington proclaimed quote unquote they found who was responsible and then asked his aides to escort the suspect on stage. And they brought some guy do just as an alien, like an E.T. Yeah. Like making it, making a joke out of it. Like that's nice if people were scared, he kind of made it funny. But there were thousands of witnesses. Why are you making everyone feel stupid? Yeah. I don't get that. It says 10 years later, though, he told Dateline that he had witnessed one of the crafts of unknown origin is what his words were. During the 97 event, although he did not go public with the information at the time, which makes him even more shady. He saw it and then acted like a douchebag. He says it remains a great mystery. Other people saw it. Responsible people. I don't know why people would ridicule it, which did he forget that he did the same thing? 
and took 10 years to come forward and say, oops, well, I saw it too. He said it was enormous and inexplicable. Who knows where it came from? A lot of people saw it and I saw it too. It was dramatic. And it couldn't have been flares because it was too symmetrical. It was a geometric outline, a constant shape. He claims that he contacted several um, government agencies and the Air Force and the Navy, and they all told him no comment. Now, he's the governor the of the state. Guy. Yeah. He's, yeah, that brought the guy out. But he's a government of the state. So he is calling, he's denying it to the public, I guess, for the reason you're saying the mass hysteria thing. But he's calling the different governmental agencies and different militaries, and they're all telling him, shut the hell up. It didn't happen. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. So maybe that's why he did what he did. I don't know why. Another key witness to the event was a lady named Dr. Lynn Kitai, who, after witnessing the Phoenix Lights, has dedicated a large portion of her life to the event, writing and producing the Phoenix Lights documentary, managing the website phoenixlights.net, and also authoring a book. She is one of the people... Now, this is what I want to talk about. She's one of the people who claimed that um, she had a feeling of peacefulness when it was going above... When she was watching it, mm-hmm. she felt like they were reaching out to say hello. Now, I'm sorry. That gets a little hokey for me. That's when it gets hokey. Like, you are not able to judge from a bunch of lights that suddenly they're here to play checkers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not... I, that's just your personal feeling. Maybe that's your reaction to it. I just, I don't, the whole, the whole thing kind of freaks me F out. I know you're all, you've always been terrified. Here's the thing too. The general public would have to wait months for any kind of public news attention to the event. A few local news outlets made mention of it, like kind of like, hey, did you guys see the lights? But it wasn't until June 18th of 1997 that USA Today ran a front page story on the event that brought national attention to the case. The news article was then followed by ABC and NBC um, National News picking up the story. And it said, you can find endless, and I mean endless references to the event or events of March 13th, 1997. There's numerous documentaries, there's YouTube videos, countless news articles, and um, particularly during the anniversaries, like the 5, 10, 15, 20 anniversaries. The thing is, there's, there was a repeat of the lights. On February 6, 2007, it was recorded by the local Fox News television station, but according to military officials and Federal Aviation Administration, there were flares. But then again, in April of 2008, Lights were again reported over North Phoenix by local residents. According to a witness, the lights formed a vertical line, then spread apart and made a diamond shape. The lights also changed to um, form a U-shape at one point. Many of the articles and websites that I found said that UFO sightings come out of Arizona like the most. That for whatever reason, Arizona has the most. Which I wouldn't have thought that. What would you have thought? I've just always heard of stories from Arizona, so it just makes sense to me. Really? Like not new, like Roswell, New Mexico? I don't know, but those areas are kind of the same. Like it's deserty. Yeah. But here's the thing. I've looked it up. Arizona is not even in the top five. The top five are Maine. Followed by. I've always had a thing for Maine. (laughs) That nothing ever happens in Maine. Yeah. But like if anything's going to happen in Maine, it's going to be something like weird. Like, no one lives in Maine. Why do you so like have, UFOs? Maybe you should tell everyone what your theory of Maine is. I don't necessarily have a theory. I just, you never hear anything happening in Maine. It's like, does Maine really exist? 
Like it's just up there. Does Maine really exist? You are literally it's a, like it's a thirteen, and you're like, we should move to Maine. Nothing bad ever happens in Maine. Well, you. What do you hear about Maine? Well, because Nothing. you live in California. What are you going to hear about Maine? I and hear it's about things the size in of your, Rhode Island. It's oh, that's on the other side of the country. I think people are going to think that you and I both have really weird theories. I mean, that's one of the weirder ones that we have. I think that's the only weird one I have. I'm not weird. You're weird. I'm not. But well, Maine. Where do you think you got it from? That you have a weird theory that we should move to Maine because nothing bad ever happens in Maine. No, I don't want to move to Maine well, because I don't think it would be cold. It would, yeah. But also, nothing happens there. Yeah. Well, it's number five on the top five list of places where they see UFOs. Maine. Um, followed by number four is Alaska, number three, which Alaska makes sense, right? It's kind of like the desert, like big, open, like they don't have except not the desert. And then um, followed by Vermont, and then the number one place that they see and report UFOs is guess where? Where Montana. And then the places that they don't see UFOs, which I find really interesting because these are places that I would probably live because I want to move to the south. Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Louisiana, and apparently Texas is number one for not for seeing UFOs. Like, like not no seeing UFOs. Sightings. Yeah. I thought that was all very interesting. So overall, what do you, what are your thoughts? What do you think? The Phoenix lights were a real UFO encounter? I think it's one of the most credible, yeah. But why where'd they go? I mean, like nineteen ninety seven, how many years ago was that? A million? No, they just stopped by that night and then bailed? No. What'd they do that night? Investigate? Like they were just checking up on us or they got lost in the galaxy or? Yeah, they're just, you know, gathering intel. <laughs> I don't know. I have no actual theories of why Uf- UFOs or I aliens something exist. That I just think that giant that big that happened over Arizona and didn't happen over any other neighboring states. Do you think they're still investigating the Phoenix Lights? I think they already investigated it and it exists and they're just not telling anybody. I think the investigation is over. Like, I don't think it's ongoing because I think it happened and that's it. Hmm. Whether you believe in UFOs or not, the events of March of 1997 are still not only talked about today, they are celebrated with music festivals and events, bringing together witnesses and believers from all over the world. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so be sure to follow and comment on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode and links to our Patreon page and all our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. And remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.